Hi, everybody. This is Pastor Tim from Holy Trinity Evangelical Lutheran Church in Newington, New Hampshire. This is our weekly podcast of the sermon from the prior Sunday. Normally at this time, I have invited everybody to join us for worship at 8, 30, and 11. Uh, but right now we're in the midst of the global pandemic, and so we are not having worship in our building at 8, 30, and 11. Instead, you can find us online doing virtual worship using Zoom. You can find the information for all of that on our website at www.htelc.com. You can also like us on Facebook. And uh, those are the two primary ways in which to find our links to have worship with us. So it doesn't matter where you are, as long as you have an internet connection, you can join us for worship. So thank you for listening. We hope that you find the sermon meaningful and purposeful, that it connects to your life and how you interact with the world. And most of all, it reveals God's infinite love for you and all of creation. Our reading this morning comes from Burrow, Matthew 10, 24 through 39. Some quite difficult words of Jesus for us, or maybe confusing. The gospel reading for today is from Matthew 10, verses 24 to 39. Jesus said to the twelve, A disciple is not above the teacher, nor a slave above the master. It is enough for the disciple to be like the teacher, and the slave like the master. If they have called the master of the house visible, how much more will they malign those of his household? So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered up that will not be uncovered and nothing secret that will not become known. What I say to you in the dark, tell in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim from the housetops. Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. And even the hairs of your head are all counted. So do not be afraid. You are of more value than many sparrows. Everyone, therefore, who acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my father in heaven. But whoever denies me before others, I also will deny before my Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and one's foes will be members of one's own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up the cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Those who find their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. The Gospel of the Lord. The Word of God for the people of God. 
Not exactly the reading you want for Father's Day, is it? <laughs> Whoever loves father or mother more than me, uh, not come to bring peace but a sword, a man against his father. Uh, seems a bit of irony that this is the scripture for today. Here we go uh, for the sermon for today. Uh, we deal with things being secret or things being covered that are uncovered. And also, what does Jesus mean when he talks about bringing peace? And not bringing peace, but bringing sword. Hey, good morning, everybody from Holy Trinity. It's me, Pastor Tim, here in my usual spot uh, that we've been doing sermons from these last few weeks. I'm going to continue that way, at least for today. As long as I find it helpful, we have the whiteboard here behind us so we can write down some terms or some things that we're talking about. If you are like me at all, uh, it helps me to see the things that I am talking about, just another way for it to connect and to sink in. If it doesn't help you, then just ignore that it's there and just listen to my voice. This is normally a time, which if we are in the sanctuary, I would say something like this after a gospel reading like this was just read, but I say, does anybody want to preach today? Raise your hand, right? And uh, people would get a good snigger out of it or a little bit of laugh because this is a tough passage. How many people have ever been confused by it, wish uh, or don't know what Jesus is saying by it, right? We hear, I've not come to bring peace, but a sword. I'm going to turn house upon each other, mother against uh, daughter-in-law, father against son, all of these things. Uh, and we also get to pick up, my, pick up your cross and follow me. So there's a lot to unpack. I want to focus on two phrases that Jesus uses here. One, it comes in verse 26, in which he's talking about, for nothing is covered up that will not be uncovered, and nothing secret that will not become known. What is covered will be uncovered. What is secret will be made known. So we're going to talk about that in the context of theology of the cross and theology of the glory. And we're going to revisit a topic from a few weeks ago in order to deeper understand that. The other thing I want to talk about is I did not come to bring peace, but I, I did not come to bring peace to the earth, but I came to bring a sword. What is Jesus referring to that? I thought we called him, right, Emmanuel, God with us, Prince of Peace that he did come to bring peace. So what is Jesus saying by this? And I have some thoughts on that as well. So these are the two ideas I want to unpack. Uh, and we're gonna begin, begin with what was secret will be made known or what is covered will become uncovered. And so there's a concept that we've talked about before. It is, I think for Lutheran theology, and it should be for all Christians, one of the most important concepts we understand, and I will say it is one of the most difficult concepts to understand. And that is theology of glory and theology of the cross. Theology of glory versus theology of the cross. This is what theology of the glory states in a synopsis, and then we're going to unpack a little bit. Theology of glory calls, it calls an evil thing good and a good thing evil, all right? Calls evil good and it calls good evil. So to me, this is what we would rather believe, right? 
we want to lie about certain things to make, <coughs> excuse me, to make us feel better about ourselves and the way things are. So we will take things that really are not good for us that we call evil, and we will call them good because we like them. And we will take things that are good for us, but because we don't like it, we're going to call them evil. <laughs> Easy way, you know, I don't know if this works. I'm now thinking off the top of my head, right? What about food? We do this all the time with food. You notice how things get uh, prepackaged or labeled to make you think it is actually a good thing. You know, you have a bag of chips and it'll say no trans fat or it'll say uh, fat free or, you know, something along those lines that make you think what really is unhealthy for you is healthy for you. We're lying to ourselves because we really want these things. We enjoy them and they, they satisfy us in a way in which maybe a bag of carrots doesn't, but we know the bag of carrots is better for us. So we'll say, you know what? The bag of carrots isn't filling. I need something else to eat because I'm not going to be satisfied from what really is good for me, right? Do you see how we do that? It calls an evil thing good and a good thing evil, right there uh, with the, in a demonstration of food. Theology of the cross... If this is calling things something, it's not a theology of the cross calls a thing what it is, right? So what I mean by that, if we use this analogy of food in the bag of chips that says no trans fat or fat free, like we're lying to ourselves because see, it's really not that bad that I eat this bag of chips. Theology of the cross will say, uh-uh, you're lying to yourself you're being lied to, let's call it out. That bag of chips is not good for you. It doesn't matter what we say about it, how you dress it up, it's not what you need. It's not good for you. And you know what is good for you? The things that you've convinced yourself it's not. Well, it's not filling, it's not this, it has no taste, right? The vegetables or whatever it might be. Um, this calls it out for what it is. Theology of glory versus theology of the cross. This is what Jesus is referring to, in my opinion, when we hear in verse 26, everything that is covered up will be uncovered, and nothing that is secret will be kept secret. Everything that is secret will be made known. Now, food is a really easy thing to do that with. What's really harder about it is when we have to look at bigger issues that we really don't want to admit. We know that we're being lied to with the food, but we go along with that. But what happens when it becomes a bigger concept, more personal, and something that isn't as easy to name? Because maybe it's something that we've really built ourselves or identity around, but we need to name it for what it is. That gets really difficult. So I want to go back to an analogy uh, that I used a few weeks ago when I talk about white privilege. And if you remember, the, I used a couple different analogies when trying to explain white privilege. I talked about playing basketball and height is a huge privilege in basketball. It makes the work I do mean that much more. doesn't mean that you don't do work, but it, what it's getting at is equal work does not mean equal results. The other one that seems to have tracked with more people that I want to talk about here is running with the wind at your back, right? Running with the wind at your back. 
white privilege running with your wind at your back. Now, theology of glory, theology of cross, naming something that's good, that is really evil. There is an obvious evil side of white privilege that we've talked about before, and that how it is negative toward people of color. They don't have those same privileges. So we can say that is easy. That, I think that's one of the easier things to name. Now, you may not fully agree with it, but I want to go with this analogy, if you'd stay with me for a little bit, because it's helping me understand more, right? I'm learning a lot of this stuff with you, and all I'm trying to do is communicate what I'm learning from Scripture, from the world, and how the two relate together. And I'm not going to get it right, but I want to convey what I am learning, and I hope you uh, can come along with me. Um, so the obvious downside of white privilege is the way it has uh, negative effects on people of color. They have less opportunities, they have less education, less health care, uh, fewer jobs, fewer pay, um, all of that kind of stuff. But I want to name something else, and so this is where I'm really talking to, let's be honest, our congregation, the white population, that I think there is a dark side to white privilege as well. It's not necessarily just a good thing for us, even though that's what we name. And I think if we can name the dark side of it, if we can name what needs to be exposed about it, if we can name what needs to be uncovered about it, if we can name what is a secret about it, maybe we can do a better job of understanding why it needs to be dismantled. That it's not just good for one population and bad for another population, but in reality, it has negative consequences for all of us. So I want to talk about those negative consequences and how we got there. So using this analogy of running with the wind of the back, if we have a couple of people, right, and we've said one is running with the wind of the back, one is running with the wind in their face, they could do the same thing, the same training, the same, all of that stuff, but one will get better results. If one gets better results, what kind of attention or all of that kind of stuff is going to come with it? They're going to get noticed more. They're going to get more opportunities, right? If there's a company that's looking to sponsor somebody, they're going to go with somebody at the window of their back. So if you have white privilege and you're going to get more opportunities, right? You're going to get maybe better jobs. And if you have better results, you're probably going to get better pay. And if they see you doing so hard, they're going to see potential. We want you to do even better, which means you're going to get better opportunities for education. If you get hurt, Oh my gosh, they got to get you better to get you back on the way so you're going to get better health care. I hope you can read this. I'm writing fast so it's getting a little sloppy. Better jobs, better pay, better health care. What if you mess up and you have a bad race? Don't worry about it. We know everybody slips up sometimes. You get the benefit of the doubt. Do you see what's happening? Somebody with the wind at their back. Do you see how it's cyclical? And when you get all of these things, you get more of them. It's so cyclical about it that you don't even notice. You see how it's just the way it is. It's the wind at your back. It's just, I do this and I get that, and I do this and I get that. And so it just happens that way. What does it do? This is where I wanted to get to the shadow side of this. This is easy to name. This is, right, how it's good for us. And if this is all we see how it's good for us, you can see why I don't want to name it as bad because... I don't want to lose these things. 
So the system is better if it's the way it is. And people just need to do more of what I'm doing. Which means, if this is all happening, what is also happening to somebody that maybe they're not fully aware of? How is it negating or how is it negatively impacting them? I'm going to say an inflated ego, right? Doesn't mean I don't work hard, but look at me. Look at what I can do. There's an inflated ego that goes along with that. I might look at somebody else who's trying to do the same thing, but with less results. Well, if you would just work harder like me, maybe you would get better salt. Maybe I'm more judgmental. Do you see what I mean? So there's a shadow side to it. It makes me more judgmental. Maybe because I see what I have and I don't see what's going on there, I become less compassionate. I don't understand their side fully because I don't see the wind that's at my back or I don't see the wind at their face, right? Here's the thing. I can still be a huge cheerleader for those other people that are running and want what's best for them. That's the thing. It doesn't mean that you're anti-everybody else, but it means even when you're cheering, you don't fully understand what's going on because you still have all of these things. You can still be pro-everybody else, but have a bigger ego than you need to be. Be more judgmental. Be less compassionate. And let's be honest, there are some things that occur with it that maybe you're not a big cheerleader. You know, maybe you're less generous because somebody, you got just have to work harder. That could even go into the category of greedy. Right? All of these things. And I don't know about you. When I think about the person I want to be, when I think about the person that God has created us to be, and I look at the way that perhaps white privilege has influenced me unknowingly, is this who I want to be? Do I? Let's be honest, I have a big enough ego as it is. Do I need a bigger ego? It's easy to be judgmental. Do I need help to be more judgmental? Do I want to be less compassionate or empathetic? Right? Do I want to be less generous or do I want to be greedy and think it's all for me? We've already talked before in the past. It, money is a needed thing, but money has a negative effect on us. And the more that you earn, the greater that negative effect is. Do you see how these can have a negative effect on us also? That this is the shadow side that we need to name. This is the secret that we need to expose. This is what we want to cover up. We don't want to admit it, but it needs to be covered. And our faith in Christ should allow us to do it. Maybe that's why Jesus says, I come with a sword, because we need to be pierced. We need to, things to be cut open. We need things to be revealed. And is that what a sword does? It exposes, it cuts open, it reveals? Let's talk about peace. What is the peace that we think we have or that we're striving for? And what is the peace that I think Jesus does bring, that God does bring through Jesus? So when we hear Jesus refer to, I didn't come to bring peace, <coughs> 
I think it is Jesus didn't come to bring the peace that we so desperately cling to or we think we so desperately need, but there's a deeper peace. So let's talk about peace. To use a, well, I'm going to get to that quote from Martin Luther King later. Normally peace, if we have peacetime in the world, we generally consider something peacetime if what isn't going on. If there's not war, right? Peace means an absence of war. It avoids conflict. Do you see what I'm getting at, right? Peace is more of, the, our peace is, can't we all just get along? Can't we all just get along? When we have that, and I've, I, I think that also. Oh, I'm so tired of this. Can't we just forget it all? And can't we all just get along? But you know what happens when we have this attitude of, all, can't we all just get along? It diminishes and, and minimizes the pain that some people are going through. To say, can't we all just get along, is a very privileged thing to say, because if you say that, it means, really, it's going okay for you. Why do I have to be disrupted by things that I think don't bother me? I think this is the piece that we have. I've been talking with Mark Redwards, is trying to get a deeper understanding of theology of the cross, theology of glory. It's an ever-learning uh, ever thing. And one of the things he called this, he referred to it almost like Bonhoeffer talking about uh, cheap grace. It's cheap peace. It's peace that in the end is, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It is kept because of the threat of violence. And if we only have peace under the threat of violence, is that real peace? So this is where there's a quote by Martin Luther King Jr. when he talks about peace is not the absence of, absence of tension, but it's the implementation of justice. Peace is not the absence of tension, so we can put that absence of tension before I used war, right? But it's the institution of justice, so we'll call this cheap peace. Jesus didn't come to bring this peace. Jesus came to bring something else. Let's talk about God's peace. To go by Martin Luther King, it's the institution or the implementation of justice. It means what are the wrongs that have been going on and it works to make them right. It corrects the wrongs. That's what justice is. It corrects the wrongs. Right? It's active. This kind of piece of it's all we can't just get along, I think you might say it's we want people to be passive. This implementation of justice, correcting of wrongs, is active. It means you have to pull things back to see what is really going on. Do you see? Here's that thing with the sword again. It exposes, it reveals, it cuts open. It's active. I think it's deep. I think this one can be shallow. Cheap peace is surface level. God's peace cuts to our core. God's peace cuts to our core. This God's peace overturns systems. It overturns systems. 
Ooh, here's the irony of God's peace. Getting to God's peace can be very divisive. Hence, what does Jesus say after he talks about, I have come not to bring peace, but to bring a sword? It means people are going to disagree on this because we'd rather settle for this. And so it's going to take these basic bonds that we have built our life around. Back then, family was who you are. There was no important way to identify yourself. Family is important now, but we have other ways in which we identify ourselves also. You can break away from your family and do other things. You couldn't do that then. You couldn't survive or exist without that primal connection physically, socially, in all ways to your family. Today we have options. Your family isn't going to, shouldn't, determine your future, right? We have that freedom of choice to be who you want to become. So the thing we need to ask ourselves is, what are those things that I need to confront, that I'm willing to settle for cheap peace, but God is bringing in God's peace? I also think this is where Jesus goes on to say, doesn't he? lose your life if we dive deep into these things oh, we might lose our life but what does jesus say by losing your life you will find it when we dive deep it will be disorienting because everything we have think that we have come to believe and built our life on will come into question and we will feel like we are losing our life. But the promise is we will find it. This is what it means to pick up your cross and follow Jesus. We've talked about that before. It's not this happen chance, unfortunate bad luck that we have, but it comes from being active pursuing justice, overturning systems, correcting wrongs, diving deep, losing our life. That's God's peace. So often we settle for cheap peace. We don't need cheap peace. I want something more. I don't want the absence of war to determine peace. I want justice to roll down like waters for everyone to know that God is for them, for you, for me, for all of creation. Amen.